it's Michelle Thompson here with Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione. And uh, we have a lot of fun stuff to get into. Some non-Cornhole stuff. Trey and I are both on vacation. Anthony's going on vacation next time. So cool stuff happening before the uh, crazy Cornhole summer. But Trey, how was your uh, cruise? Uh, it was good. It was good. It was uh you know, last bit of opportunity to to spend some quality time with the wife. So that was that was a good time and ate way too much food and it was uh it's perfect. Exactly what, what I needed to get for? ready. Yes. <laughs> exact exactly what I needed considering I will now be traveling four of the next five weekends for Cornhole. So it's so much. A lot, and lo- go, a lot go. of West Coast traveling nonetheless. Yes. Yes. <laughs> a lot of a lot of West Coast back and forth too. Exactly. Anthony, how was your weekend? Oh, it was good. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I'm looking forward to that trip, though, you mentioned. <clears throat> yeah, so we're going to have like a uh, there's 120 plus of us going to to Mexico, just right south of Playa del Carmen. So it started out with a graduation celebration for my daughter, Jasmine. And then as you expanded out, uh, my buddy, uh, it started with my family, my immediate family. Um, you know, all Bob 700 Bronson. of you. Yeah, all the Bronsons. Uh, yeah, no, there's... Um, this one, there's 40, about almost 40 of us from the Bronson family. And then as we expanded out, it, it blew up into uh, 120. So it's, it's going to be insane. Yeah, <laughs> like Playa del Carmen, too. Oof, it's hot there. I, I've been there before. So it gets humid. I don't know how it'll affect. I just heard, and I don't follow that as well, but I just heard a hurricane just came through there. So I don't know if that'll affect the weather for us over the next four or five days, but I imagine that would be gone. And I don't know. We'll see what happens. What about yeah. you, Cabo? How was Cabo? Yeah. Cabo. Cabo. Cabo was great. I love Cabo. See, the Cancun side for me is a little too tropical. <laughs> like it's hot and humid, but Cabo <laughs> is a little bit less. Uh, but we had a good time. Just a lot of laying by the pool, a lot of drinking, a lot of beer, that kind of stuff. Yes. Not as much food. Not as much food, unfortunately, because it wasn't the best food. Um, so I had to just go with the drinks, really. Hey, those liquid, have lunch. liquid lunch liquid lunch <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do all right let's get into it we have uh the pro shootout uh coming up the second one coming out in mesa arizona this coming weekend june 2nd and 3rd or i guess that one's on june 3rd yeah june 3rd through 5th right those are our, i don't even know what day it is yes. so the shootout june on june 3rd what was that third through fifth is the whole third event june is the whole third event. is the uh is the shootout, shootout. There we go. It's at 7 p.m. Eastern, and uh, that's going to be on CBS Sports Network. So definitely tune in for that. But what are you guys thinking on this upcoming shootout? Now we've got our first two winners or three winners, kind of the doubles team. So with who we have left, what are you thinking, Trey? Yep. Yeah, well, first, uh, excited. It's it's our debut on CBS. So the first CBS broadcast of the summer. Obviously, we had CBS Sports Network last week. We're going to do uh, two broadcasts this weekend. One, CBS Sportsnet, Friday, June 3rd at 7 Eastern. And then, of course, uh, we'll, we'll air the finals on CBS Network, the main channel, on uh, Saturday, June 4th. CBS before? Not this year. We were last year. We had okay. we had a few events last year and then uh, a few events this year. But this is kind of the debut for the year, for the season. So a ton, it'll be one of our biggest audiences of the year. Um, awesome. So it's, it's a big deal for us. Um, Really, uh, this one, it, it's kind of a different vibe. Um, the biggest storyline for me, and I talked with Bernie on this uh, last night on Around the ACL, I mean, sorry, on uh, ACL Live, is this has turned into, I just can't wait to watch women's singles this weekend, right? Because 
Now we take all of our great female competitors and our female pros, and they get to play in a tournament with no Cheyenne runner. With no Cheyenne runner. Right? So Cheyenne, <laughs> yeah. who has been kind of the poster child of women's singles cornhole, really, and every time she plays an event, it's, is anybody going to beat Cheyenne as an individual, right? This time we take that out of the equation and we still get to see all of our top level pro women, but they don't have to play against her now. And so I, I just can't wait to personally see which of the women, whether it's, you know, Megan Moppin, Lori Duell, Miranda Coy, I mean, uh, Kaylee Hunter, all the, which of the women will step up and take down the second one? Will it be kind of the break and serve that we saw last year? Because if you remember last year, when we had our second pro shootout in Albany, New York, this was the first shootout in which we saw the upsets happen, right? Mm -hmm. At shootout number one last year, you had Brett Guy, you had Stephen Bernasette and Tom Gustafson, and Sam Finley were your three winners. Certainly, could you have said there may have been some other teams that did a little bit better and, and, and kind of um, maybe expected to win? Yeah, but for the most part, there weren't any shocks there. Well, in the second one, we had Lori Duell take down women's singles, which was a shock considering where Lori was in her development as a rookie last year. And then on top of that, in doubles, we had Devin Harbaugh and some random kid named Tyler Cobb <laughs> win that second one. And that was back before anybody knew anything about the Cobb. So it really was a cool a really cool um, shootout for us because it had these no, not no names, but it had these upsets happen and winners win. So the two biggest storylines as I'm looking for this weekend are who emerges as a top female to take down the second one and who is going to be our first shock of the summer. Cause we didn't have any last weekend. Excited to see who it is starting this weekend. Yeah. I'm looking for that as well. That's always fun to see those upsets. And I believe, didn't Lori beat Rosie in that one? Is that yeah, the that one? Started, yeah, that started the string of just Rosie Streaker second places uh, nonstop. <laughs> well, I, just rem I remember her telling me that that was her, like, who she looked up to. So to beat her was a big deal for her. Like, that was the person she was mentoring under, basically, was what Lori had told me for that one. So really, really cool. Anthony, what, what do we think? Yeah, I'll start off with, with women's since uh, Trey was talking about women's. But um, so I thought for a second that Rosie Streaker was doing that on purpose, right? Because second place gets paid out. Yes. I'm like, she's trying to maximize her uh, her payouts here. She's going to take a bunch of seconds and then cash in on her top eight spot. Later. That would be risky. <laughs> that would be a really risky. <laughs> it, it wouldn't have worked out for her. She didn't make one. She didn't make one. it. Didn't make it. But um, Trey, you already mentioned Cheyenne. She's out of the way. But check this out. Number two, female, Sarah Cassidy, not on the roster. Number yes. three, Yeti Irwan, not on the roster. And Connie Altice, the number four women, uh, woman bagger in the league, not on the roster. So completely wide open. I mean, even like a top eight in Isabella doesn't qualify for the shootout. Mm -hmm. So wide, wide open to the entire women's field. You named them already. Kaylee Hunter really, I think, is the favorite in this one, in my opinion, in this field, uh, Megan Moppin, you know, as a partnership, they're, they're, they're dangerous, but individually, individuals, they're, they're amazing baggers on their own. 
would like to see maybe like a we mentioned Rosie Streaker, Samantha Finley, even an Allison Peters who's completely off of radar all season. You know, is this a chance for them to kind of move in? But I think someone like a a, a Miranda Coy, I keep saying it, someone who can manufacture shots might have that slight edge in a shootout. I think that if she can just stop relying on her roll bag more and more or less less often, I think she'll have better success, but this girl can easily put up high stat PPRs, but maybe a sleeper, maybe the next Chelsea Hubbard for me. We're in the West, a Tegan Owens who has, we talk about floors and ceilings. Her floor is real or her floor gets really low in some cases. And I think that's what's hurting her, but her ceiling, especially if her dirty, her dirty game is on her roll bag is on. I've seen her beat some really high, high quality pros. So that'd be, it'd be fun to see her kind of make it. If we talk men's singles, you got to ask the question, is Matt Guy in the field? Yes. Is Alec Rawl, Alex Rawls in the field? Yes. I think those are going to be the two guys that are going to bring, you know, the most heat. I'd like to see Matt Guy. Is he going to change his strategy a little bit for these shootouts? We know what he does with his level one air mails over the top for someone who's probably going to throw 80 or 90% in practice and 70% in a match. That does work for a first to 21 or unlimited rounds, you know, style format. But if he comes out of the gate and he misses his first three before he hits his next eight or nine in a row, he could find himself down six or 10 points early. So I kind of want to see if he's, we saw him change his technique, which you mentioned, Dre, uh, Trey, does he change his strategy as well? I think that'll benefit him in the shootout. But let's not forget one of the greatest players of all time, in my opinion, Ryan Windsor. You know, we're kind of starting to forget him a little bit. He's sitting out there at 21. He's kind of off the radar. We don't really talk about him much in the, in the, hey, is he going to win a tournament discussion? He's kind of off of radar a little bit, but I think the shootout format plays perfectly into his style, being able to, you know, muddy up the board and strike. So I don't know. I think Ryan Windsor, Windsor could do it. A potential Kevin Billard for this shootout number two in men's. Tay Harris, I think, is a good Kevin Billard. I mean, it's perfect. He's got... Large swings in his ceilings and Homer we're talking about, but yeah, there <laughs> um, but check it out. Who did Tay Harris beat last year? He took yeah. down a Matt guy and he took down a Jamie Graham in ceiling performances. I think he could be a good Kevin Biller um, as well as a Josh Thielen. This dude can rattle off 40 bags, you know, in a row, maybe miss one or two. And don't forget in these round limited matches, these guys are throwing 40 bags in in on TV, 40 bags total. If someone gets hot for a second, you know, they're going to win it. And I don't want to forget in his house, in Shot King's backyard, Ty Lopez. Um, I just saw him throw a deck around on an international play the other day, 114 deck around. You're talking wow bags, three missed bags out of 40. So could Ty Lopez get hot and be the next, uh, you know, be a, a Kevin Billard showing up on a TV appearance? So what do you think, Mason? I mean, Someone in the West. Cool. Pretty cool to do that in your own backyard. I'm I'm rooting for that one. I think that'd be awesome. Is that why you're repping Shot King so hard right now? Yes, we're in Shot King's backyard. <laughs> he's, he's always on brand with his his attire. Last week yeah. he was, we were talking Alex Hicks. He was wearing the Alex Hicks hoodie. <laughs> I mean he he knows uh, he knows when to wear the right attire, Michelle. He there you go. It's not surprising that he was plan out his <laughs> outfits to match. No, nothing about that surprises me. Um, any last-minute thoughts on doubles before we move on, Trey? 
Yeah, so on doubles, you know, I think there's some interesting pairings. Uh, Jimmy Humans, Kyle Malone, that's interesting to me. Ryan Smith and Philip Lopez, right? Oh. But then you get some other ones that are familiar yes. faces. We get to see a Trey Birchfield and Alex Rawls in a shootout for the first time. Um, I think that's interesting. Jamie Grimm and Matt Guy, you feel like they're going to win one. It's just which one are they going to win? Do they win early or do they win late? I, I don't know. So, um Interested to see the partner hopping in particular when we talk about this shootout series as some pros make it to every one of the shootouts until they win and others not traveling to all of them. So I think that's the most interesting dynamic or who are the, who are the teams that are going to switch up partners event to event and, and see if they can sneak in a win like a Devin Harbaugh and Tyler Cobb at the 2021 pro shootout number two. I asked Alex what he was going to do if Trey Birchfield won with Trey Hunt. And he said, I got someone lined up, but he wouldn't tell me who. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? You, you, wait, you're telling me the number two player in the world couldn't find or, or could easily find someone to play with right. him? If, I know, but I want to know who he chose. That's what I yeah, wanted to know, but he wouldn't true. tell me. <laughs> I know of no doubt he could find someone. Uh, Anthony, any thoughts on doubles? Yeah, Trey, I think you summed it up pretty good. The only other ones I might mention, committed pro partners, Ruben Power in the field, uh, or excuse me, yeah, Ruben Power, Wooten Smith in the field as well. Did you mention Humans Malone? Yes. Yeah. That was right? weird. Okay, you mentioned that one. Weird, weird matchup. I like it. I like it. I just, it's kind of odd. Individually, they're they're elite players. I don't know what, what bags they would throw. Um, you know, Humans... Uh, loves that slow style bag i think i think either guy could throw any kind of bag but bag choice i uh, would be going to right away what I, that's what i'd be looking for what what bag are they throwing and how that's right to there but what about uh i mean in the in their home state we get we can't forget a zaft and a hadley who made it to a tv broadcast you know going through a graham guy with that um oh no they got they got kicked out by graham guy wasn't it right at the end with that push shot yeah, that was a yes. Cornell Mania, yes. Cornell yes. Mania 2021, yes. But they made bottom four, so, I mean, in their in their home state, I, you know, a Zaft Hadley could be uh, dangerous to deal with. Awesome. What? Are we still, there you there. Okay, you cut out for a second there. All right, let's go ahead and bring Mike on from Morton's Corner and have a chat with him. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. How are we doing? Doing great. Mike. It was a dream, Mike. Phoenix, Phoenix, Phoenix. Leaving a couple days. Cannot wait. So I'm gonna I'm gonna skip road. ahead. I'm gonna skip, skip ahead to something. You guys, you guys just started talking about something, and I uncovered something while I was combing through the stats that I think will completely surprise you guys. I know it surprised me. Jimmy Humans, right? I love Jimmy to death. I think he's an elite player. Um, last year he played in four of these shootout style events, single elimination, uh, round limited games. You know what his record was? In four events. In, in four singles events. or in doubles? In singles. In bracket play, not rounder, in bracket play. In bracket play. Gosh. It's got to be something extreme, right? So I'll yeah. say like – I'll say 0 and 4. That's what I was going to say. Lost them all. You're both correct. Oh, Jimmy wow. Humans. That is shocking Jimmy just because in this it doesn't format, make any sense. Yes. In this format that we're getting ready to play this weekend, 
Jimmy Humans last year went 0 and 4. It blew my mind. I had to triple check myself. I, I, I looked and looked and looked again. Wow. He started off the year. He lost 12 to 1 um, to, I think it was Brandon Jones, if I'm not mistaken. Um, then he lost to Jeff Reynolds twice, 31 to 1 and 21 to 4. What? And then he lost to Jimmy McGuffin 20 to 5 in the first round. Now, Jeff Reynolds threw a 10 and an 11 against him in the two games he beat him. So he threw great. But Jimmy threw between an 8.25 and an 8.88 in all four games. So, again, I love Jimmy to death, but it makes me start to wonder, is this format conducive to his style of play, or is it just a fluke? It it certainly could be a fluke. My only comment to that is today, Jimmy Humans is not mm-hmm. last year. Jimmy is different not than last year. Yes, not that is 8.2, I don't think. That sounds uh, although, although, let me play devil's advocate here. Not so much against Jimmy Humans in particular, but uh, Bernie and I were joking last night on ACL Live saying that I was saying take Jeremy Shermerhorn and Derek Singleton. Okay kind of a a weird team that they've been over the years. And especially this year, I said to Bernie, it would not shock me if Shermer Horn and Singleton make it to the finals of the open and go. Oh, and one at the shootout, right? Because (laughs) Shermer Horn is one of those guys that is so in his own head in a good way and in a bad way that if one bag goes left in round two of that round limited format, he all of a sudden hates the round limit and he doesn't want to play anymore. Right. <laughs> and it just, it just all goes downhill, but put him in a play to 21 game and the mentality is different, a little different and they be able to, they can be able to grind to some serious points. So right. I think there can be something to be said about how some play styles will favor others over, over others. So, so one of the things, I don't know if you, you guys happen to see, I made a Facebook post uh, a day or so ago as I was doing all this. I found that over the past two seasons, um, Matthew has played in four of these events. He is 13 and three. So I believe that this format is conducive to him. Um, I think it does. I think it helps certain players. I think it hurts certain players. And until you really put a, a level of analysis on it, it's hard to, to decide who it helps and who it hurts. But I can tell you just in kind of thinking about it and knowing Matthew, the play style and strategy involved, I think a round limited game where every point and every frame matters causes him to not lose focus halfway through the game and give up a five or a seven. So Mike, think- what, do, what, do you, what do you think is when you say conducive to this format? In your opinion, what makes something conducive to a shootout format? So I've made a a few bullet points here of things that I think, and this is kind of what I wanted to talk about that I fast forwarded past. These are the things that I personally, after having observed this for a couple of years, things that I think you need to think about and do to be successful. Number one, you need to win rounds. They don't all have to be big, but you need to win rounds. Okay, so and I've got some some stats to talk about here in a minute on that. But you need to win rounds when you do lose rounds. You need to reduce how large they are. 
So you need to minimize your losses. Give up your ones and twos. Don't give up that five. Um, you need to have strategy. And that that is basically how you reduce and minimize. You need to play smart. Know when to be aggressive. You must, must, must have a short-term memory. You cannot let what happened in frame three mess you up in frames four, five, and six because that's a third of the game that you just messed up while you were focusing on that one bad frame. So short-term memory is very important. And unfortunately, I think some of the emotional players that, that seem to play on hype and emotion, that's what trips them up. They'll, they'll have one bad frame and then they'll have a couple frames before they calm down and get right back to it. Um, you need to have focus, as I mentioned earlier. And then the last one to me is kind of a wild card. I don't have anything to back it up and prove it, but I think experience in this format matters. I think, I think with your back against the wall and a single elimination bracket, being there and having done that before is an important aspect to this. So I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so the experience part, I mean, we think to who won last year, Hisner wins singles. He beats Frank model in the finals, both returning players from the 2020 season where round limits were introduced in women's singles. You had Cheyenne Renner beat Sam Finley in the women's singles final, both returning females that played in round limit formats the year before. The only exception was, um, you know, Jamie Graham was one of the four players that made it in doubles um, to the finals. But then you had Eric Davis, Brett Guy, and Matt Guy that all um, that all made it. So that would be maybe the only exception. Um, but I think that does play a part. And what's interesting, as soon as you pulled up and started talking about what was important, it was to win rounds. This is something that I think is interesting. Here are the top five people, minimum 100 rounds. Hey, okay. you're, you're, you're heading to where I, I was going to go because there's a couple sleepers in here. Mark Richards. But this is percentage of rounds played in which they have won at nationals. Right. Mark Richards, number one, 48%. Eric Davis, number two. Brevin Valdivia, number three. Ryan Windsor, number four. And Jamie Graham, number five. Hmm. Right? So if you're looking maybe for a sleeper pick, do you go with Valdivia? Because of that. Now, the problem with Valdivia is he's losing a lot of rounds. He's, yeah, right. he's, he's up there in rounds lost. So um, I think that's a that's a great um, a great way to look at it is is who is who is kind of minimizing those, you know, and, and almost maybe the next level stat is when you lose, what's your average average value of round losing or something like that right, or average right, round right. Of, of, of round yeah. winning. So can't give up that, that monster frame. So, so I keyed in on the rounds won and rounds lost as my key indicator. And it actually, when I looked up the stats that you just mentioned, it caused me to change my mind on who I thought, who I was going to pick. I had Ryan Windsor down in like my, my six through 10 area, you know, Hey, he's going to be a threat, but I don't really see him as a top five threat here. Ryan Windsor is in, I think you said, fourth place in um, rounds one. He is in sixth place in rounds lost in a good way, sixth place in a good way. So not only does he win a lot of rounds, but there's not a lot of ties either. He doesn't lose a yeah. whole lot. It is hard to win a round from him. 
So those two things together, a top 10 stat in both of those categories makes me say Ryan Windsor is, is the man to beat this weekend. So he is he, he the only one that has he's the only one that's in, in both 10? categories. Yes. Only one that's there this weekend, I should say. It that's is in okay, that's gonna be there. And you guys mentioned my sleepers already. Uh Tay Harris. I, I think Tay Harris, his ceiling is just unlimited. Um Brevin Valdivia with his third place rounds rounds one. That's just incredibly sneaky. And then, you know, I'm a little close to home here, but Matthew, he's just excelled in this format 13 and three over the last two years, um, including the win over Jamie Graham two years ago. I, I think he may be a sleeper. So we talked about rounds one. We talked about rounds lost. One thing that I, I think is a big factor of this is, is washes. So like if, if I'm playing a Matt guy, I'm playing a 40-round match against Matt Guy. There is a 0% chance I am going to win. But if you say I'm going to play a five-round match with Matt Guy, I have a chance to win that. So if I can wash five rounds in a 10-round limited, that leaves five scoring rounds. So I think washes are super important to this uh, kind of equation. If you have the washes and you're the underdog, take them and try and score your points in the other limited rounds. So I think washes is a big key to this. Here's your you top know, five rounds tied percentage. Number one, Derek Holland is washing 33% of all of his rounds. Oh number gosh. two, number two is Matt Guy, 33% as well. Sarah Cassidy is number three. Cheyenne Renner is number four. And Philip Hayden is number five. Okay. So, so guys, I actually kind of went to that too, thinking, you know, sort of the same thing. But in reality, where I kind of went with it as well, you know, rounds tied doesn't do you a whole lot of good if you're not at least winning a couple of rounds. You, you have to win a couple and then tie a win a couple. So, so I was like, okay, well, let's take percentage of rounds one and percentage of rounds tied and add them together. Well, all that is is the reverse number yeah. of rounds <laughs> lost. So, yeah, <laughs> just who's doing best in rounds lost, and that you know yeah. that kind of tells you the same thing. So anyway, it's just it was interesting stuff. Um, it, it did get me to uh, also Eric Davis um, jumped way up on my list because of his uh, second place finish in rounds one. Um, and then I just want to throw in there real quickly um, in in uh, in women's. I think this is Kaylee Hunter. I think this is where she uh, she makes a name for herself. I mean, she already has, but I think she kind of sets herself up as potentially the heir apparent to uh, Cheyenne Renner as the second in command right there. Yep. Um, and then I think that uh, Allison Peters is primed for a sleeper. Uh, you you said it, Anthony, but I've, I've got her down as my sleeper in the women's division. She's been quiet all season. And when I was looking at her stats from these events last year, she was really solid. So she's my sleeper. Um, in doubles, I got to go with Guy Graham. Until you tell me Guy and Graham are not entered in an event, I'm going to pick them. To win. That's, just the way That's just the way it is. They're just too darn yeah. good. Um, uh, I do think Zaft and Hadley have the potential to, um, to do some damage on their home turf. And then I'm going to throw in a sleeper pick that I hadn't heard you guys mention yet. I really like Thorne and Trzinski. I, I like mm -hmm. that matchup. Hunter Thorne out there on the West Coast has been lighting it up lately. And Jacob Trzinski, the young man, just doesn't do anything but win, it seems like, over on the East Coast. So I think they're going to make a dynamic uh, pairing. I think they could sneak up on some people. Facts. 
I think that's a good, uh, last, I wouldn't even call that much of a hot take. Just like the Jamie Graham and Matt guy one, <laughs> just uh, not, not surprising at all. All True right. Enough. Thanks so much. Mike. <laughs> we appreciate your time. And, all right. Uh, see y'all next week. See you next week. See you, Mike. So we're going to keep on going with this conversation of what's going on this weekend. We talked about the shootout. Now it's time to talk about the open aspects. That's June 3rd through 5th. Um, let's talk about singles, Trey. What you got? Yeah, singles. Uh, I, I talked about this with Bernie again last night that I, I like the opens now during the summer when we have the shootouts along with it to, to really get a, a look at some prospects um, in, in particular, you know, someone like a, a Justin Burton Jr. that we've we've briefly touched on as someone out of the state of Texas that could be someone that's a top a top prospect kind of moving forward the rest of the season um, and, and someone that going into uh, next year could be someone that could be a pro. Logan Chamberlain is, is a really great collegiate prospect that we have out of the state of Texas. He's making the trip out to Mesa. You know what? Annette Tedder is another yeah. one, a top female that, you know, she's only really not been a pro the past few years because she just hasn't committed to it and hasn't played and hasn't put in the time to qualify. And does she feel like she wants to do that now? Uh, that That's something to keep an eye on. So um, I really like the prospects. And then I think legitimately our two, you know, arguably our two best female pro prospects for next season are both playing in this event. And we haven't talked about doubles yet, but I could also throw it in there that they're both playing as individuals, obviously, but they're also playing together as a team in doubles. And that's Aunt Emily Downer and Lexi Hugeback yeah. playing together. So this is an opportunity to see kind of, as we foreshadow towards that 2023 rookie class, those may be two females that may headline that, that division. Yeah. Hey Trey, I'm, I'm is there going to be uh is there going to be a women's singles at this open? There will be, uh, but it won't it won't um it'll overlap the pro shootout. So you won't ah, have yeah. you won't have the uh the pros playing in it. Which yes, I would expect down or a huge back to win, but it, you know, it, it's kind of gets overshadowed if they if they win that women's singles event, it, it doesn't have as much meat as winning kind of a, a an open singles event or from earlier in the season. Yeah, I mean those two names obviously. So both uh, huge back already has one. She's got one women's singles open win, and that was in in an entire open format. So that was a big yeah. win for her. And then Downer got her open win in doubles. Um, yeah, clear. In the case of where you were saying the pros won't be in it, um, you know, clear favorites for sure, but. Yeah, look at I kind of feel like Philip Lopez is due for some type of a singles, you know. He he gets he gets really close, right? I mean, he's killing it in doubles, but I think alone in singles, he's always right there. I feel like he's kind of due for a breakout uh at some type of a, you know, deep finals or a top 4 uh a finish there. Um just kind of looking through the roster here. Again, I mentioned Josh Thielen, you know, to me he's just a he's one of those guys that if you give an, an open hole, he's going to put it in there. Now, how he handles blocks and a dirty board is a, is a different perspective. So I kind of feel like just talking West, you know, he's kind of one of those guys that could break out as well as, as a Mason Morgado. Um, also in the singles, uh, and we're seeing some, when we get to doubles, we're seeing, which is actually interesting to me, we're seeing some of the shootout doubles change in the, the open switch. doubles. Yeah. yeah, even though they're still available. So I thought that was, was kind of interesting, but 
again, back to Ryan Windsor. I feel like he is, he's due for one of those, you know, big, big runs, especially in a first to 21 or an open round uh, or, or unlimited rounds format. I think he's, he's kind of due as well in singles. Well, yeah. And then even on the double side, um, jumping ahead and jumping in front of Michelle here, the, the Ryan Windsor, I think one of the stats of the weekend is Ryan Windsor is going for three straight open doubles wins. He won open doubles in Sacramento. He won open doubles in Fort Worth and now looking to make it three straight. And I believe, um, I believe he's playing with with uh, Bella Soprenant, right? In in doubles on the open yes. side of things, he's playing with Caleb Batson in the shootout, which is a whole other team that is kind of um, uh, that could be that could be fun to watch that team play. Yeah, but, three straight, um, three different partners, which would be pretty right. awesome. Really which awesome, be, which are really cool. I I'm yeah, I have a lot to say about Ryan Windsor later. <laughs> so just, ah. just, just a little insight into what what's coming for my hot take but uh yeah anthony any uh, additional thoughts on doubles before we move on uh one of them that stood out to me you know we, we know david moore's is a, is one of those players that's just like he's a bubble player right he's like just just right on the verge of kind of breaking into a top 20 to 30 he always sits like you know kind of outside there he's got a really good partner that we've been talking about for some time who's not on the national radar yet and that's a justin burton jr um, who we saw uh, making a lot of noise out of Texas. So I'll be excited to see one, what Justin Burton does with a solid partner in a David Moore in a David Moore's um, Eric Davis and Hunter Thorne was an interesting matchup for me. Similar games. Uh, I don't think it matters what bags they threw. Actually, I, I kind of feel like if you put carpet back in Davis's hands, he's actually a little bit better in my opinion. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. Um, just kind of looking through some of these here. Um, Ashton Spees and Brandon Davis. I mean, those are two guys, another, uh, to me, also bubble players, you know, they're always kind of like right there outside of singles, but together as a doubles team, I think they can kill it. And then the last doubles team, uh, for me, which is another interesting pairing, what bags they throw, I think is going to be interesting is Philip Lopez and Jacob Trzinski, where I think Philip Lopez is going to struggle is he throws a natural front loaded bag. So if he's going to throw Jacob Trzinski's carpet, he's going to really struggle with a hard right to left. I think they go with Lopez's bags. What do you think? They're going with, the, as as Jacob Trzinski would call him, they're throwing slinkies this weekend. <laughs> slinkies, all right. <laughs> Slinky. Any bag, this is a terminology, again, for everybody at home, Jacob Trzinski, any bag that falls in the hole easily that's not carpet is called a slinky. Doesn't gotcha. matter the brand, doesn't matter the the, 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 the series, <laughs> If it falls in the hole easily, it's a slinky. They're slinky. throwing slinkies this weekend. I guess that's a better term than cheater bag. That is the other yes. term. That is the other term. Like, uh, like which is funny fast. because which is funny because what people don't realize is so the, Philip Lopez throws the king cheetah from Gladiator, right? Previously, it wasn't called the king cheetah; it was called the cheetah. Because the cheetah was a brand owned by uh, or, or started by a guy none other than Eric Ryder, who created the cheetah bag series from All Cornhole. And yep. when he left All Cornhole as a sponsored player, he had he had the pro IP to go over to Gladiator to start the King Cheetah brand. Okay, but the cheetah bag series was created because people in the Carolinas called you know, called things that fell in the hole easily a cheater bag. So he yeah. created cheetah <laughs> bags 
based on that that on, on that phrasing. So ah, and fast bag throwers do not like when you say that. By the way, they get really no, they offended. Don't. They get very <laughs> so slinkies is safer. I like slinky. Slinkies. I'm gonna use that one, and then be like, "It's endearing." Oh. What do you mean? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> All right, moving on to news around the league. We had the Carolina Conference this past weekend. Jamie Graham took first, and Jacob Gore, the Gore brothers, just all over this conference. Uh, Jacob Gore taking second, and didn't uh, Jackson Gore take third? It was the Gore. Yes. Wasn't both Gore? Third. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Advanced doubles. Eric Davis, Derek Holland. That was an interesting pairing. I thought. Um, and then Trevor Brooks and Bubba Brooks took second for our Massachusetts state championship. Jacob Trzinski in first Jim Bodice in second for advanced doubles, Colby Santos and Kevin Kamara in first and Mark Burgess and Sambin sock. I'm assuming <laughs> in second, sorry if that's not how you say it. New Hampshire state championship, Zachary Stickney and Alex Boulay in fir- uh, first and second. And then Zachary Stickney and Jermaine King, in your first, and Eli Fowler and Bora Jean in second. Wrapping up with Nebraska State Championship, uh, Jamie Sock in first, and Randy Orvin. Uh, wait a second, didn't we already have a Sock? Did we? Is this a, are these people related in different spots? I don't. Th- I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm so curious now. <laughs> that is that is spelled S O K. That cannot be the, like a common spelling of a last name, right? Oh, we must know. Are you related to Sambin and why are you in two different states? All right, second, Randy <laughs> Orvin. <laughs> and then in first for doubles, Jamie Sock and Blake Monty. And in second, Jesse Todd and Christian Rodriguez. So congrats to everyone who played uh, great this past weekend. Um, and if you're related to these, uh, the Sock people, I want to know. Are uh, these people related? All right, moving on to uh, looking at some of our award predictions coming up. Uh, so we want to go through who we think these award winners are going to be um, heading into national number four, um, who has it now and who you think we're going to be. So let's go into MVP first. Uh, what do we think in Trey? Yeah. So MVP again, refresher, we'll go through a refresher on all, all of these um, MVP, the, the best season overall across pro singles and pro doubles. So both events included nationals only. Okay, nationals only, the events that only concern pros. We do not include the shootout series because you're going to see a lot of variability in who attends all of these shootout series. And we don't include the open series because it does not contribute towards pro points. So again, there's a, that could be a lot of different fluctuation if you include different people in that. But just across that, my MVP is Jamie Graham. He's number one in both right now. Um, really, the question is, will he keep it? My gut says, yes, he keeps it. Jamie Graham ends up as our MVP on the season. Anthony? Yeah, these guys are separated by such a small fraction. So if we talk doubles, I would say the beginning of the year, Matt Guy was kind of the leader or the the strength in that team. That has switched. I mean, Jamie Graham, to me, is now kind of keeping that, that team really strong. So I'd call that a wash on the doubles front. If we look at singles, they both have national championships. They both have a fourth place finish in the bracket. They are only separated by Matt Guy at Nationals 2, just having one slightly, you know, he was ninth, Jamie Graham was fifth. So that is really the only difference between these two guys. I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm with Jamie Graham right now as MVP. Our 2021 winner, by the way, was Damon Dennis. So that's who we have in 2021. And it is one thing I want to add in here. 
So these will be voted voted on again, just like other sports have have media personalities that vote. I'm going to get a ballot. Michelle will get a ballot. Anthony will get a ballot, as well as various media influencers and personalities within the cornhole community. So this isn't something that's just decided by me or anybody. This is something that will be voted on. And the reason I say that is because last year, Damon Dennis won MVP and he wasn't on my ballot. Oh, wow. He was not wow. on my ballot. He did not make, I, I did not see enough performance in doubles for him last year. So he finished fourth, but I could only submit a top three ballot. But because he was number one going into the world championships, everybody wanted him as the MVP. And, and so he won it. Oh, I thought you were saying that so nobody attacks you when they don't like the outcome. It wasn't me. Oh, well, that too. That too. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good point, uh, Trey. These happen before Worlds results are in. Before World Championships. Okay. So the only thing at the Stevie Award Ceremony, which is going to be on Wednesday of the World Championships, the only one of these awards or some of these awards that will that will we won't know at the ceremony that will that will announce the finalists for will be the man and woman of the year because those are dependent yep. on the finishes through the championships. Um, but everything else will be decided before that. All right, let's go to the next one. We got breakout player of the year. Uh, and we had, we had pro wait, Jimmy humans and Mike Ferreira. So we yeah, they, they, they both won. So both, I was like, wait a second. Isn't this supposed yeah. to be one person? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so breakout player of the year, again, player who has the best individuals, it's essentially the MVP award. But it's got to be someone that has seen a great improvement year over year, and it must be a returning pro. Yes. This one was tough. One of the toughest ones. I I wrote a few names down. So I had people I identified as, as possible candidates. Doug Zaft, Tony Smith, Dylan Turpin, and Michael Dingus were all top people that I identified like on my ballot. I went back. I, I my first thought was to say Dylan Turpin, but when I went back, he was thirtieth last year. I didn't realize he had yeah. such a strong finish in he did singles. Well. He did well. So it was like, ah, right now he's twenty first. I think if he has a really, in order for him to win Breakout Player of the Year, he would have to have another Vegas that would justify going from thirty to top ten, because mm -hmm. going from thirty to top ten is very, very difficult. But only going from 30 to 21, it's just not a big enough delta in that increase in, in ranking. Michael Dingus went from 85th to 20th. He would be on there. But ultimately, I got, I'm giving it to Doug Zaft right now. Was ranked 43rd in singles last year, now sits at 9th. I'm not sure if he'd be able to keep it through the last national, but at least right now, my award winner is Doug Zaft for breakout player. So, Trey, you covered exactly what I was going to say for Zaft and Dingus. I, I'm right in line with it. Let me throw this scenario at you real quick, though. Let's say Corey Morrison last year was a – because I think we get wrapped up in names. Corey Morrison was 24th. If he was the number one ranked player in the league right now, would you say he would be a candidate for player of the year? 100%. So, Jamie Graham went from 26th to 1st. But because it's Jamie Graham's name and he's already broke out, right? He doesn't even qualify for player of the year, right? Yeah, there's <laughs> there's a 0% chance Jamie yeah. Graham's going on that back. Yeah, so I was trying to process that. I'm like, all right, 
if you already broke out, you can't break out again, right? So he's he's out. He is. And, and I think I think there's justification for that as well. If J- if Jimmy Humans finished one, I wouldn't give it to Jimmy Humans. I don't think. Right, and and his wasn't as dramatic as Jamie Graham's, but he kind of broke out last season, right? Yeah, I'm not going to give it to him again if that makes sense. You know, breakout to me is you know if we had a comeback player of the year award, Mm -hmm. and maybe we will come out with that, then that fits Jamie Graham to a T for a comeback player of the year. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So I'm I'm aligned with you. Ding is jumping 65 spots to number 20. Zaft 43 spots to number nine. I like Zaft right now as the all right. Rookie of the year. We had Matt Guy, which is like a funny, like really rookie, but he was. <laughs> <laughs> he was in 2021. But who do you got? Who do you got going that? I, I mean, I got to give it to Alex Rawls right now. My prediction, if I'm going to go bold, because I want to continue for some reason giving Alex Rawls this motivation that I don't know why I keep doing this, but my, I'll go bold and say Mark Richards passes him. And Mark Richards wins Rookie of the Year by by the time we get through the next national. But right now, it's it's Rawls. It, it should be. It is. And um, I think he's I think he's a, t- a, a top rookie right now. I'll talk quick. So we got number two, Alex Rawls. These are all rookies, right? Number two, Alex Rawls. Number four in the league, Mark Richards. Number five, Josh Holland. Number six, Tanner Halbert. Number seven, Matthew Creekiller. That's how stacked that rookie of the uh, of the year is. Five of them inside top seven. Um, so then it gets kind of weird, but Alex Rawls, he's made the bracket final in every national. I think that's, that's really big. Um, Natty one and Natty two, he lost to the eventual winner. And then if you kind of look at some of the head to heads, he's Owen, he's one and oh against Josh Holland, but then it gets weird because Matthew Creek killers won a singles championship. Uh, Tanner Halbert's two and oh against Alex Rawls. So it kind of gets like, uh, Matthew mm-hmm. Creek killers two undefeated against Mark Richards and Alex Rawls and has a singles championship. I agree. Wow. I'm going to go with uh, Alex Rawls right now as the leading rookie of the year, but I think it's open to whatever happens at the last national. Dang. Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy stats. Uh, for a man and women of the year, we had Trey Birchfield and Cheyenne Renner in 2021. What are you thinking for 2022? Yeah, man of the year, woman of the year, top number one ranked male, number one ranked female at the end of the season after the world championships. There's no debate here. There's no opinion. We don't vote on this. It's just who they are. Right now, it's Jamie Graham and Cheyenne Renner. Again, the question is, do they move? My gut says no, they do not. Same. Man of the year, man of the year. So um, like you said, I'm just going to throw something at you that's kind of interesting. We're going to be dropping worst performances, right? To get these rankings out of four nationals, you drop your worst. So I started doing some math on this. If everyone drops their worst, Matt Guy is one position finish behind Graham. Meaning, if he finishes ahead of Graham at the next nationals, he takes first place. If they don't, you know, once you get into the finals, if you go into the finals, you get these bonus points. That would play a factor. But if he finishes ahead of Graham and doesn't go into the uh, bonus, neither one of them makes it to the bonus, he takes the number one spot. That's how close it is right now. Wow. And you're going Cheyenne Renner as well, I'm assuming? Can't touch her. Yeah. <laughs> Don't Can't even talk her. about it. <laughs> no need. Yeah. No, yeah. Can't touch um, her. Amateur player of the year, highest ranked non-pro in open standings. We had Alice, Alex Hicks in 2021. Who do you got for 2022? Right now, it's Ryan Wiedenfeld. I don't think we have a ton of time left for someone else to, to pass him. So I'll stick with Ryan Wiedenfeld right now as the number one. 
I agree. Ryan Wienerfeld, 15-year-old out of Nebraska. I mean, he's he's hustling. And you got to hustle to get these open standings. He's made 10 regionals, 10, 10 locals, four conferences, two opens. He's leading the points. But right behind him, Chris Kingsbury out of Florida and Kobe Costanza, the the uh, the teenage eighteen year old out of Louisiana, they're right on his heels though. So, but right now, Wiedenfeld. All right, awesome. We'll have to see. Let's really quickly talk about what happened in the USA Forces Cornhole Championship this past weekend. First place, Dylan Turpin. Second place, Johnny Cox. For doubles, we had Chris Kingsbury and Chris Fagan and JD Schirenbach and Johnny Cox for our second place. So, great job, everyone there uh, in that. A championship in Colorado, right? That's where that one was. I didn't get to catch any of it. Uh, Cabo had horrible internet, so <laughs> I could couldn't watch it. I so. got to give a shout out though. Dylan Turpin is taking my predictions personally. Congratulations, Dylan Turpin, for for getting the win when I did not pick you. So ah. don't take it don't take it so personally, bud. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Trey, Trey, you you got to stop betting against Dylan Turpin. <laughs> hey, he earned it. He earned it. Hey, he earned it. He got a win. Shout out Dylan Turpin. Bax. Bax. Got it. All right. Let's go to our hot takes. Trey, you got your hot take ready? I do. I talked about the women in the shootout, so I'm staying there. I'm going to steal Anthony's thunder a little bit. We're going with women that can play the dirty style game and manufacture points. Our finals and women's singles at the shootout. Miranda Coy versus Megan Moppin. Ooh, like it, like that. That would be fun to watch. What you got, Anthony? Trey, your comment earlier about Singleton gets in his head and might struggle in shootouts makes my hot take even more hot. Nice. I'm going to say oh. Singleton, Singleton and Shermerhorn win doubles shootout number two in Arizona. Love that. <laughs> um, as I said earlier, I think Ryan Windsor, this is his weekend. He's been on a streak lately. I think you're going to see him winning a lot of things. I think he takes singles in the shootout. He might possibly take both singles and doubles. We shall see. That's my hot take for this week. Everyone tune in this weekend for all of the content coming up to you from uh, Mesa, Arizona. And we will talk to you guys next time.